Asia Pacific Currents. News and labor issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents on this Saturday, the fourth、uh, of June. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna, and I'm taking you through to 9:30 this morning. My comrades Pia Chaveri and Jody Pesket, unfortunately, are very, very unwell. It's both flu season and. Covid is running mental,、um, so the comrades are unfortunately at home、uh, trying to recover and hopefully not get long covid. Coming up in the second part of today. Oh, before I go on,、um, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, find us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on those social media platforms. Just do a search for A A W L. Coming up in the second part of today, I'll be speaking with Reem Yunus, a Palestinian and socialist, about recent events in Palestine, particularly、um, the alt-right interruption to Jerusalem Day、uh, in Israel. And what that means, and if that constitutes any divergence from what is already happening in、uh, Palestine. But of course, first up, news from around the region, and we're going to start by looking at the、uh, Labor victory in the federal election and what that means for the Billawilla family. The Albanese government in Australia has allowed the Maragopan family to leave detention and return to their home in Billawilla in central Queensland. Nades Maragapu,、uh, Maragopan, and Priya Nadzalingam. Are Tamil refugees from Sri Lanka who arrived in Australia by boat in 2012 and 2013, respectively. They were granted temporary protection visas and settled in Billawilla, where they had two daughters before being placed in detention in 2018 by the Liberal government, who wished to deport them. While the family has been released from detention and provided with bridging visas, which will allow the parents to work and the children to go to school. Proceedings against the family continue in the courts, and they still face the possibility of deportation if their appeals fails. And what I think this story really symbolises is that our activism does make a difference. The massive community campaign, the、uh, national network of refugee action collectives, the constant. Uh, public, social, community, and broadly social justice pressure that was applied made a difference to this family, and will continue to in relation to that final、um, visa appeal in the courts. So keep the pressure on in relation to that family,、uh, and of course these、uh, the the Billawilla family are from Sri Lanka,、uh, and now looking at the situation in Sri Lanka, which continues to deteriorate, and of course. A couple of weeks ago, we interviewed Lionel Bopagi about this situation. You can find that in our podcasts. But Sri Lanka's President Gatabaya Rajapaksa continues to refuse to to resign, despite the ongoing unrest stemming from the deterioration of the economic situation in the country. Inflation was at forty five percent 
in the last week and most Sri Lankans can barely afford a meal a day. Petrol and food shortages have begun to take the lives of the most vulnerable as children and the elderly are dying due to malnutrition and the inability to travel to hospital for medical treatment. In the midst of this suffering, the PM, Ranil Wickramasinghe, has introduced an austerity budget, slashing funding for basic services in the hope of securing an IMF loan by the middle of June, which in turn is aimed at attracting further financing from Japan and China. In the meantime, government crackdowns on protests have been especially felt in Tamil-majority districts, where the government is more concerned about Genocide Day commemorations. And in Myanmar, the junta continues to suppress workers. The Myanmar military junta has continued its campaign against organised labour with the arrest of a number of union members in recent weeks. Three employees from the Sion Myanmar Garment Company were arrested for civil disobedience in April, including a female union leader. All were later released, although the campaign of intimidation is continuing. The workers for this company have been protesting the post-coup practice of placing employees on irregular contracts so that they aren't paid the minimum wage. The safety of union members continues to grow worse as an organised death squad loyal to the regime has announced itself to the public in Mandalay in recent weeks, which has been targeting regime opponents with abduction and murder. And I have seen that some of our international comrades, including Debbie Stoddard, who we've interviewed several times on the show, she was the founder of the uh, Alternative ASEAN on Burma, are also applying pressure on uh, the Australian government to um, uh, in turn put pressure on Myanmar to release key Australian activists that have been locked up over there. Moving now to Iran, where a... um, a recent arrest of prominent activists um, has been a planned uh, is a planned response to unrest in that country. A number of prominent activists have been arrested in the wake of recent protests in Iran in response to the rising cost of living. Among the arrested are several trade union activists: Rehana Ansari, Anisha Asadollahi, uh, Kivon Mohtadi, um, and Reza Shahabi. Reza Shahabi, who is one of AAWL's Free Our Comrades, one of our featured um, comrades, he he was actually released in 2018 and rearrested uh, in the last month. Um, So these are the comrades among several other trade union activists and they're rumoured to be charged um, with espionage-related offences. Many of these activists did not play a direct role in the current protests and information has been leaked that indicates their arrest may have been planned by the Iranian judiciary before the price rises took place as part of an Iranian government strategy to head off any unrest that resulted. And our final story today is from the um, plans uh, to build the Qatar, the stadium for the Qatar World Cup. And as we know, the working conditions for those construction workers has been absolutely horrendous for the last several years. But in the lead up to the 2022 Football World Cup in Qatar at the end of the year, the conditions of workers building the stadiums and other infrastructure continues to be ignored by FIFA. 
As has been covered on APC before, many workers on these sites who are mostly migrant labour workers from South Asia are subject to horrific working conditions, often working um, in heat uh, in temperatures nearing 50 degrees Celsius for long hours, resulting in a high number of work-related deaths and injury. FIFA has tried to play down this issue with FIFA president Gianni Infantino avoiding questions on the topic at a conference this month. A number of human rights organisations, including Amnesty International, have called upon FIFA to use some of their massive profits from the event to go towards the financial remuneration of the exploited workforce. And it is 10 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. That's the end of news from around the region. We're going to go to some community announcements and then our feature interview with Reem Yunus. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years, we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains, and the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunnakurnai and Bidwell and Monaro people and that sovereignty was never ceded. A 3CR supporter. No crime, no time. Fix Victoria's bail loss now. Prisons are bursting at the seams with poor people. Istra Melbourne is calling on the Victorian government to release unsentenced people on remand from Victorian prisons. First Nations people are 3% of the population, yet represent 29% of the general prison population. 89% of First Nations women entering prison are unsentenced. Istra Melbourne is asking you to sign the No Crime, No Time petition, which can be found on Istra Melbourne's Facebook page. Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. United, never be defeated. Workers United, will overcome. Workers United, never be defeated. Workers United, will overcome. Workers United, never be defeated. We are the people who make things run. Workers United, never be cheated. Protect your rights that were hard fought and won. Stand up and fight for workers' autonomy We are the engines of the economy Those who are poor are in a minority Shout let it out cause we want equality You can make a difference to help fix the world All you have to do is believe in yourself We celebrate our great diversity This is the strength of workers' solidarity Workers United never be defeated We are the people who make things right Workers United never be cheated Protect your rights that were hard for Stand up 
We feel the pain of workplace injury Bosses who think our lives are cheap Make them feel the pain of worker solidarity Stand up, you know, don't turn your cheek Fight for the right for fair compensation Fight for the right for better education Equality, dignity, justice for all We want it now and we'll have it all Power to the people That's a corporation Move politicians for the right for self-determination Help put an end to casualisation Stand up and fight to return job security Each to the need from each their ability Don't let them chip away our civil liberties Fight with the power of workers' unity Workers united, never be defeated We are the people who make things run Workers United, never be cheated. Workers United, never be cheated. Protect your rights, that were hard bottom one. Workers United, never be defeated. Workers United, we'll overcome. Workers United, never be defeated. Workers United, we'll overcome. Today, uh, many thousands of workers coming off jobs, stopping work to come down and protest the fact that ordinary people are not being given a say in their future. Three CR, always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. A caution to First Nations peoples that this ad contains sensitive content about the stolen generations. For many Aboriginal Victorian community members, the trauma from forced removal still runs deep. In consultation with community, the Victorian Government has developed the Stolen Generations Reparations Package. We acknowledge there is still more to be done to address injustice experienced by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. For more information, contact 1800 566 071 or please visit the website. A 3CR supporter. It is 9.15 here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. In that last set, you heard um, a track, one of my favourite worker tracks called Workers United by an Australian band called IEYE. Um, uh, and uh, a range of community announcements, but one that I especially want to draw your attention to is the campaign to reform um, bail laws, uh, the No Crime, No Time um, 
uh, campaign. This is something Annie spoke about on the show just before. It was an excellent show that Annie put together this week um, that focused on some of the horrific statistics in the Victorian prison system, all arising from these abhorrent, strict bail laws amongst the strictest in the world. It is 16 minutes past nine o'clock and we're going to go to our feature interview for this morning with Reem Yunus. Reem is a Palestinian and uh, a socialist and she joins me this morning. Welcome, Reem. Hello, thanks for having me, Giselle. I do want the listeners to know the extraordinary effort you went to to be on the show with us this morning. Reem, like many, many low-paid workers, well, Reem's a teacher, um, has moved to an area that doesn't have internet reception and so she's driven to a part of Clyde, I would imagine, where she's got some internet rece- or telephone reception to do this phone call. So thank you so much, Reem. You're most welcome. Um, so this year's Jerusalem Day in Israel was marked with far-right protests. Firstly, can you tell us what is Jerusalem Day? Okay, a bit of historical background. When Palestine was um, occupied and the inception of Israel happened in 1948, um, they uh, captured actually the western part of Jerusalem. So since then, Jerusalem was divided in the western part and the eastern part. The eastern part was, up until 1967, under the Jordanian um, rule um, because it was uh, still considered um, Palestine, you know, Arab Palestine, uh, that eastern Arab. Of course, the western Palestine was already, um, the people were already, um, the Palestinians, like other places in 1948 Palestine, they were um, expelled and they became refugees in other neighboring Arab countries. So for the eastern part of Jerusalem, until 1967, uh, and then um, this uh, Israel, uh, when uh, they invaded uh, in 1967, uh, Gaza, the West Bank, um, the Golan Heights, were all under uh, military rule of Israel. Jerusalem itself uh, has a specific meaning for them, because Zionism is using the uh, emotions of um, playing on the emotions of the Jews, making it that Jerusalem is their united capital. So it was uh, in the eyes of international law, law, uh, um, all Jerusalem, or eastern Jerusalem at least, is still considered an, an occupied land, just like the West Bank. But in the eyes of the Israelis and um and they, as you said, the far-right groups are on the rise since uh, the 1980s. Uh, then uh, they, no, they consider it the 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 eternal capital of Israel. So what? And that's why. So, yeah. Go on. And that's why Eastern Jerusalem, since 1967 till today, in a very hidden way, there is an increased uh, way of Judaization, which means expelling. Uh, families in droves year after year after year, and uh, these families would have lived there for decades, uh, and they will have, like, extended families because they cannot get building permits, so they all live together. So all this uh, exposition uh, uh, of the Palestinians and keeping and, and letting these Israeli settlers who are illegal to come and live in, in the uh, eastern occupied Palestine, especially the areas around 
the, the Al-Aqsa Mosque and all the eastern areas bit by bit. And this kind of Judaization and um, expelling of Pal- Palestinians uh, became faster and faster in the past five to ten years. And it was uh, pronounced very, very clearly in this year in the lead-up of Nakba. So since the lead-up of Nakba, which is 14th of May, which for them is, is uh, Israel, um, uh, they call it Independence Day, is when uh, the inception of Israel happened. But for us, it's our, um, our disaster, our biggest catastrophe. So because of that, uh, and because of wanting to show the Palestinians know that this land is theirs and it is uh, united Jerusalem, uh, that's why the, the uh, name was coined, the Jerusalem Day. And it actually was coined on the 1980, on the eve of Israel annexing East Jerusalem, 1980, uh, to make it the united uh, capital of Israel. No one uh, recognized that in the world, especially not the United Nations. Um, and the only one who accepted that was Donald Trump, as we all know, in, 19, uh, in, in 2017, as people remembered. And he's, um, until now, the only foreign country that moved its, its uh, embassy to East uh, Jerusalem to, cons- to, uh, to acknowledge that unification of, of Jerusalem. So that Jerusalem Day is about celebrating the unification of Jerusalem as the, um, the united uh, capital of Israel. For us, we consider uh, Jerusalem Arab and Palestinian and the united capital of us, ours. And um, it also provokes all the emotions all over again. And, and that's why you hear about all these uh, clashes, especially these far-right groups are protected by the police and the army. And that's why the provocation happens more bloody than usual. Can I ask, did, was this year particularly, I mean, you just said it was more bloody than usual. Does it mark a significant divergence from the, uh, and this is going to sound horrible, but what I'm trying to say is that the conflict is intense. Has this intensified the conflict or is it more or less the same? It was more or less the same. It was always intense. But as I said, in the last uh, five to ten years, it intensified a lot. But there is um, a recent juncture that maybe everybody heard about, which is uh, the killing, and I was want to call it execution, of the journalist Shireen Abu Akleh, who used to work to Al Jazeera. That was significant, and it happened on the 11th of May, just four days from Nakba. And I think that was an impetus uh, for the Palestinians to feel more angry, but also for the Israelis, uh, the, um, the extremists, uh, to feel more emboldened in order to uh, provoke the emotions of the Palestinians. Because some of them, during the um, attacks on the mosque itself and the compound, the holy site where uh, Muslims um, go, uh, Shireen Abu Akleh, uh, she is a Jerusalemite originally, yeah? So she had uh, an apartment in Jerusalem. She worked in different um, outlets, media outlets, before coming to Al Jazeera. And she always, uh, you know, identified as a Palestinian Jerusalemite. 
And during uh, every year, since five years, since the intensifying of the attacks on the uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque, uh, she used to visit those who sleep over there. There are men and women who sleep over there to, to protect it. During Ramadan, she used to bring them food and water for these uh, uh, Muslims uh, taking refuge there in order to defend it. Um, attacks on them happened even during the last uh, week of Ramadan. Um, just after that, uh, which is in 11th of May, she was reporting to Al Jazeera from um, Jenin refugee camp when there was uh, the Israelis uh, were invading and causing terror, as usual. And she was wearing her helmet and her uh, vest that says uh, reporter, and everything was clear that she was no way near any clashes or anything, and yet she was executed in, a, in cold blood, point blank, in her head, bullets to her head. So that angered the Palestinians because Shireen Abu Akhle is very much loved by the Palestinians, and Muslims and Christians carried her coffin, and while they were carrying their coffin, her coffin, even her coffin, because it was covered in Palestinian flags, it angered the police who came with batons and, and hit them on their legs and on their arms, causing the coffin partially to, uh, uh, to shake sideways until they uh, held it again. Imagine that man who was beaten, he was carrying her and almost fell down, was, was captured, arrested in an Israeli prison he is now, two weeks after that incident. Um, how do you think the, the people, the Palestinians, will feel? But uh, the, to tell you how much it was big for the Israelis as well, they were using her name. They were provoking the Palestinians around Al-Aqsa Mosque, saying, Shireen Matap, Shireen died, she, uh, and I'm here. So as if it's manhood for them to, to proclaim that, what can you do? This is what we do. And, and they are not afraid. There are um, well, Western, just... Western reporters reporting that. And they don't care. Yes. So I want to ask about this because I think it is easy for the international media and even some activists sometimes to become complacent about the situation in Palestine because it is so unrelentingly uh, violent and constant and intractable. Um, however, the the murder, I agree with you, it was an assassination of Shireen Abu Akleh, um, it did attract a different kind of commentary. Do you think that would lead to any form of international justice? We were hoping so because she is a very famous and prominent reporter being with Al Jazeera and having the Western media know about her more than the other obscure um, uh, journalists. Not that they are less, but yes, they work with, with different outlets, but she was more prominent than everybody else. And she's been there for 20, 30, 40 years. Everybody grew up over there on, their, on her voice. We thought we, this would provoke something. And yes, from um, more humanitarian side or people who are uh, a bit left-leaning or even mainstream Western media, they started to say there must be, um, we must be seeking justice for that. But Imagine nothing happened so far. And uh, a few weeks after, like they pretended, as usual, when every assassination of an Arab Palestinian happens, 
they'll pretend that, yes, we'll investigate into it, we'll make committee. And actually, I uh, remember hearing um, Arab members in parliament who, you know, the who live in uh, 1948 Israel, they, they, some of them are members in the Knesset. One of them uh, is uh, Ahmad al-Taibi, and he was telling them, um, and another one, uh, of course, al-Khatib, uh, they were calling for, uh, instead of Israeli uh, investigation to happen, for um, uh, something from the international law, something um, more, um, could be more neutral. And the Israelis were uh, uh, outraged by that. They were livid. They wanted it to be just Israelis. And weeks after that, it died down. They stopped even claiming that uh, they would even investigate into that. Uh, And they announced, like, maybe two weeks ago, that the case is closed and there is nothing, actually. Because they they kept lying in the beginning. They said, no, no, she was killed by a Palestinian. It was an accident. A Palestinian shot her by accident, uh, although Palestinians didn't have any weapons with them. And then they said... Israeli by accident. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, we've come to the end of the show. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, and we'll have to get you back on again in future um, to complete the yeah. discussion about the situation in Palestine. Yeah. Thank you. I'm for... sorry about the time. No. Thank you for listening. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was Reem Yunus, a socialist uh, and Palestinian, speaking about Jerusalem Day and the rise of the um, alt-right in um, in Israel, which we know is not a, a new development. That brings us to the end of the show. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Saturday.